Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Pepsi would like to help you celebrate the holidays with a chance of winning a present from Mario in the Pepsi Nintendo Holiday Game, where you could win one of thousands of terrific Nintendo prizes, like these action sets, game packs, and best of all, the sensational new Game Boy. So hurry up and play before it's all over. Look for details on how to win your Nintendo prize wherever you see these Pepsi holiday displays. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 39 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. With you, as always, my name's Scott. And I'm Wes. Uh, all right, Wes. We're up, up to 1989 here in our um, chronological es- escapade. And um, we're kind of getting into the thick of it here now, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Give a, yeah. give a quick recap to the new listeners who haven't been following along. But we decided that we're going to take a break from kind of our normal format of picking a game. You pick a game, I pick, pick a game. And... We kind of just decided to spotlight the NES as a whole and just kind of go year by year from when it first kind of hit the U.S. shelves in 1985 up through when we got our, you know, last title. We'll see if we make it all the way to 94. I think you know some of those. I, like later, I mean, we're we're all the way in, so we might as well do it. Some of those later years, it's like what three titles came out. I mean, I, I feel like there's was really good ones though. Pretty pretty thin. So. Um, oh, it's gonna be good. But yeah, it's it's been a fun kind of journey so far to kind of see the the history of what's come out, what was big, what you know made a splash. But the big focus of what we were trying to do is spotlight some of the more underappreciated or overlooked games that maybe flew under the radar. Um, specifically, considering like by this point, especially we were to the point where there were just so many games. I mean, the market was just getting flooded, and I guess we could kind of have a debate and argument as to whether that was a bad thing at this point, because, you know, eventually kind of, we got the, the gaming fatigue, but I don't know, maybe, maybe yeah, it was there by now. Maybe not. Um, yeah. This is just I, more choices that we're at the video store every week, you know? Right. And I, you know, and I think that if, if you listened last week, you, you knew that 1988 was kind of the golden year for me. I think that that's when, you know, all of my favorite games were starting to come out. And when I look back at, you know, if I had to pick one year where I, I could win a contest and get every copy of every game made during a per- given year, 88 would have to be it for me. Hmm. Um, and, you know, if th- then as you look here, you know, toward 89, like there's still some big, big heavy hitters that came out this year. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I highlighted kind of the, what's that? I said there's a lot of stinkers this year too, though. There are. Um, I kind of highlighted the big ones and just looking chron- chronologically through '89. You know, in January we hit it off with Bomberman. Um, not you know the greatest game ever, but definitely made a splash and has 
a character that's iconic and is still sticking around. Would you say it exploded onto the scene? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely was was a big big bomb. Um, okay, I'm, I'm I'm not as good at you as this as you are. Then <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, by March we had Marble Madness, we had Ninja Gaiden, um, Lolo Adventures of Lolo coming out, um, and in the summer, you know, one of the biggest games for the nes ever mega man 2 hit in june oh i thought you were gonna say adventures of tom sawyer <laughs> i you know my um cousin had that growing up and it's yeah. actually kind of fun it is yeah you know it's 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 one of those well it's it's this or mickey mouse capade again so <laughs> let's just play tom sawyer and it's 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 all right it's not the worst game that's ever been released. No, it's it's got some really frustrating design elements to it, but at the same time, it's so bizarre and out there that it's kind of fun. I, I don't remember much past the second stage. Um, I know that level one, I think you were on a pirate ship, and then you had to fight a giant octopus by throwing rocks at him. Yeah, I mean, it's, then, it's very true to the original story. Right. Yeah. Even down as, Giant Especially alligator. the giant alligator. Yeah, that yeah. I remember that from I think chapter six or seven. But yeah, um, yeah. if you uh, if you have ever read any Mark Twain, um, you know he tries to put a giant alligator in every one of his stories, and uh, it's it's nice that you know the Adventures of Tom Sawyer was was really true to the the author's vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of his trademark. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, by June, then we kind of moved on and had Ninja Turtles came out uh, in August, Dragon Warrior, September, DuckTales, and kind of ended the year in November with Tetris. Um, there's plenty of other huge games that came out in the, that year, too, but I mean... Yeah. Back to the Future, you know? Everybody loved that until they God. started to play it and realized how terrible it was. <laughs> the game that... Yeah, speaking of being true to the source material... <laughs> right? Man. I still have no idea what the hell that game's about. Well, I mean, just like, you know, you remember that scene in the movie when you when he gets behind the bar and he's throwing the milkshakes at all the goons that kept running in? I mean, you know, again, it was photorealistic graphics and, and true to life. I mean, you know, <laughs> it just makes me uh, miss the days of licensed games like that where they would just go completely off the rails. Right. Speaking of that, um, to get on just a tiny tangent, um, have you ever seen or played the... Um, it's a Japanese uh, Star Wars game for the Famicom. I think it's the one that Namco put out. You no, should check it out. I don't sometime. think so. Because I think the only Star Wars games I really ever played were Super Nintendo. Okay. Well, the JVC Star Wars game is really good, actually, on NES. But Namco made one in uh, Japan that's kind of a Mega Man-style game. But I kid you not, like, half the time you like fight Darth Vader as a mini-boss, and you'll start hitting him, and all of a sudden he turns into a giant scorpion. Sweet. Just like in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, but yeah. I don't know. I miss those kind of random, crazy, not so good games. <laughs> I mean, and let's not, you know, forget dance aerobics. Um, Cause you know, that happened. Yeah. And never played that one. Short order slash explode. Never played that one either. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think the, the crown jewel for this entire year was December 1989, LJN's The Uncanny oh. X-Men. Oh. Ew. Oh, God, it's so I, bad. <laughs> I'd still rather play Fester's Quest. Oh, I rent it. Like, at this point in my life, I was a big X-Men fan. I thought they were super cool. Loved the comics and the characters, collected the action figures. 
And then, yeah, I saw there's an X-Men Nintendo game. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I rented it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why is it so bad? But I wanted to love it. And I kept playing it. But I just, and I I was also like a huge fan of the X-Men beat-em-up arcade game, Mm -hmm. which I played all the time at the arcade. And so to be like, oh, I can play X-Men at home. And I'm like, this is not that. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, LJN back in the day was just, they were not known for quality games. So. No, they they were not. I mean, speaking, of back, to, speaking of back to the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, coming from a time when, you know, not only could we not really trade games in anywhere, um, I mean, you were just kind of stuck with what you had. Yep. You know, your only hope was really to sell it to, a, you know, at a garage sale or something like that or... Um, you know, maybe sell it to like a mom and pop video store or something. But yeah. uh, LJ and also put out Friday the 13th this year. You know, that game is not nearly as bad as everybody says it is. It's, it's, it's the kind of game that you have to understand what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, but it's, I, I think it's very similar and it's, a, it's a great double bill with jaws, um, which is an NES game. I still love, I, I love playing jaws. But, you know, the idea of it's this just super overpowered boss that you could run into right in the first screen. Um, And I think that the difficulty curve of Friday the 13th makes it very unapproachable. But once you kind of get the idea of what you're supposed to do and kind of figure it out a little bit, it's it is pretty fun. Now, I still never come anywhere close to beating it, but I enjoy the effort now and then. Yeah. See, I have memories of of my friends and I renting Friday the Thirteenth, and we beat it. Like I remember, we stayed like we stayed up and played it like pretty much all day. And uh, we, I think we were, I think we were playing at my buddy Brian's house. And uh, I remember like it was just like super tense, like going into each of those houses and turning corners and seeing if Jason was there, and then uh, get to the end and the ending was like really, really shitty. So yeah. it was like, you know, all that effort throughout the afternoon and playing this game. Cause there weren't any passwords or anything. You just had to play through it in one sitting. And it was just like, man, like I was really mad after we beat it. I mean, I guess we beat it, but still it's like, really? What a slap in the face. Well, and once you kind of get used to the game, I don't think a one sitting playthrough is really that much to ask. It's, it's figuring out what the hell you're doing that makes it so hard. Like, because you're gonna. I think just, that was it. I think it was just exactly. Like, you know, we keep going back through these screens and these birds keep attacking us, and you keep exploring these houses and stuff. And then uh, I don't know, but no, it's just it's 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 weird. It's different, but uh, you know, I don't think it's the worst game ever made. I mean, it's no Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're kind of hitting on it here you know a little bit anyway but i would say let's make it official uh let's talk some nostalgia so 1989 what what are your strongest memories of the nes back then uh you know for me at this point 89 kind of bleeds into 88 a little bit i mean it's i don't looking at the list on uh nest guide for most of the games in 89 these are games that i didn't own very many of these i i rented a few here and there but at this point, it was, I don't know, it, it, I wasn't really playing a lot of these until they hit bargain bins, um, if that makes sense, like stuff like um, Captain Skyhawk, I've talked about that before on the show, 
mm-hmm. um, being like a, a $10 KB Toys bargain bin game. Um, I mean, obviously, DuckTales, I rented that a lot. Dragon Warrior, I didn't get until the Nintendo Power promotion, which would have been, what, like 90, maybe? 91, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but a lot of these I rented, there. though. Yeah, Fester's Quest, obviously, was a rental. Um, Guerrilla War, but uh, I don't know. There's just, looking through this list, I mean, obviously, and I've talked about this before, Mega Man 2, um, I remember seeing that like on vacation and wanting to get it and uh, ended up getting pro wrestling instead. But uh, uh, this is back when, you know, a lot of these games didn't have hard release dates either. So, mm-hmm. you know, you would just see it in the store and like, oh my God, this game is out. Like, I remember reading about it in Nintendo Power like months ago saying it was coming soon. So looking through this list, it's it's hard for me to kind of remember how many of these were actually coming out at the time. Sure. You know, but uh, but then you have stuff like Shadowgate. I mean, Shadowgate was an amazing game. Played the hell out of that. Um, Strider was kind of weird. Like, it was a good rental. Um, very different from the arcade game. And of course, you got Ninja Turtles. You've got Tetris, which is classic. Um, I don't know. My, other, my only other real nostalgia, I guess, for this year comes from... Uh, some of the Tengen ports that came out this year and kind of how terrible they were. Okay. Um, like, for instance, uh, Tubin is, I love the arcade game Tubin, which is the, it's like five buttons and you're kind of, you know, rolling your inner tube down the river and you're throwing soda cans and things or whatever. And um, there wasn't really a home port of that. And I was like, I always tried to play it whenever I could find it in the arcade. The bowling alley in town had it for a while. And I remember like renting the NES one, like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to play this at home. And it was just awful. Like, it's just not true to the arcade game at all. And uh, I don't know, stuff like that, Alien Syndrome, Shinobi, where you start getting some of these ports from the Master System, but they're just, they weren't even nearly as good as the Master System games. So I don't know. That's why, like, looking at this list this year, there's a lot of junk on here, like, more than I remember. Wow. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. There really is. Um, and I think that you're right. Like, as I kind of look through it, like, I feel like this is the inventory of the rental shelf. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, this, is, this is the wall of boxes, you know, of, of games that are still available on Friday night at like 830. You know, like, you didn't have to get there at like 5pm to get Nobunaga's Ambition, you know, or uh, John Elway's quarterback. Right, right. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it's kind of weird because I got my NES for Christmas of 89. So I didn't actually own one through the majority of this year. Mm. Um, but the we moved, we moved to Cincinnati the summer of 89. And, like, I remember the kids that lived in the neighborhood before I moved, none of them had an NES or maybe like one of them did. Mm-hmm. And I think she had gauntlet was the only game I can remember for it. Hmm. Um, and then as soon as we moved, I can think of a half a dozen friends in the neighborhood that all had NESs. And I'm like, just, like that's when I really started to discover it. Um, and so even though I didn't get mine for six, seven months later, like I, I, I lived, you know, at my friend's houses playing, you know, NES constantly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these titles were similar to the ones that I mentioned last week with 88, where I didn't own a lot of these because when I did get my NES, like some of them were already kind of disappearing from the shelves. A couple of them, you would get lucky, especially the big titles. Uh, Like I 
Mega Man two is the first game that I remember actually receiving as a present. Mm. Um, obviously Mario and duck hunt was the first game I owned, but I, I can remember the birthdays when I sit there and open and open Mega Man two, like very, very vividly. Mm. Um, Ninja Gaiden. I remember going to the store and, and buying it. Um, it was a special that they had at, uh, Babbage's at the time that it also came with the world of power novel of Ninja Gaiden. Oh, wow. Um, so I, I got both when I bought it. Free promo, uh, AKA here, you throw this away. It's terrible. <laughs> that was actually the good one of the series. I'll, oh, I'll, really? I'll defend that one. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, a lot of these other cartridges, I don't think I owned for, you know, probably until I was an adult and I went back and started collecting, uh, yeah. Dra- Dragon Warrior I had because it was everywhere and Wizards and Warriors 2 I had because it was also, you know, in a lot of KB dump bins. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, most of these others, like I have a lot of nostalgia for a lot of these games because these were the ones that, like I said, my friends had. So as I was discovering the system, these were some of the ones I was playing. Yeah. Uh, I definitely had a friend who had DuckTales and we played the crap out of it. I still, you know, consider that one of my favorite games. Um, Friday the 13th I had another friend that had that and it was similar to you like I didn't I wasn't the one playing it much mm-hmm. but that was a fun game to watch and it was very tense and very creepy to to see it um and a couple others here that I, I can look through and have memories of my co- same cousin that had Tom Sawyer also had Knight Rider um not a great game but still really fun to try to accomplish <laughs> something yeah it's not bad I mean you know yeah the the controls just aren't that great and the concept is better than the execution yeah um kung fu heroes is one that was a random rental one time and uh we expected absolutely nothing for it and had an absolute blast playing it yeah dude that one that's that's a fun game yeah it really is and it's kind of funny that uh um that was one of the first games that i noticed that it was possible for a game to kind of um steal sounds from other games i guess that makes sense um because there's a lot of sound effects in kung fu heroes that come from kung fu i was like oh that's weird like because kung fu was published by nintendo and uh kung fu heroes was uh culture brain wasn't it yeah but it turns out that um irem actually developed kung fu and uh kung fu heroes so it was the same um you know same developer using the sound effects but um, I, I just always remember that being weird for that game. Like, yeah. oh, those are the kung fu sounds, and then I think there's a Mario coin sound as well. Huh? Yeah, it's it's been a very long time since I played it, but every yeah. time I see it, I think like, oh, I should pick that up again because that that yeah. was fun. It's good. Yeah, it's cheap. Um, and then yeah, the the other one that really stands out as a a random rental that turned out to be a true hidden gem was Super Dodgeball. Um, oh man, that's a good one. Oh, it's such a fun game, and I expected nothing. And I'm pretty sure that I went to the rental store trying to find, you know, Ninja Turtles or, uh, you know, something like that. And then mm. I was like, well, that's not here, but Super Dodgeball. Oh, fuck it, why not? And yeah, lo and behold, it's this amazingly fun game that's way more than you would have expected. Like I didn't care about sports games back then, and Dodgeball is like, okay, that's like not really a sport that's that game in pe that we play that's super fun and yeah then uh yeah to realize like oh there's like special moves and you can like knock somebody and turn them into an angel when they die like this is hilarious and you know still a, still a great game i highly recommend it oh yeah and for me like seeing 
super dodgeball was because I was a huge River City Ransom fan. And to like, you know, turn the box around and look at the the back cover and realize, oh my God, these look just like the River City Ransom characters. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and then later on kind of learning that it's all part of the same series in Japan. But uh, yeah, I, it's not the greatest game like performance wise because there's a lot of like sprite flickering and slowdown. But man, that game is fun as hell. It's also very easy to exploit and like kind of once you figure out the pattern, you're almost unstoppable. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but I still just have a hell of a good time with it. So what's cool is uh, if you like Super Dodgeball, there's I mean there's been some sequels here and there, but um, on one of the I forget which one it is. It might be I think. River City Tokyo Rumble on 3DS, which was like one of the um, remakes of the River City Ransom games, it has a new Super Dodgeball in there as like a bonus game. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's got like a full mode to it, and um, I think it has. Uh, it doesn't have online play, but I think it has uh, link play. So if you had somebody else that had a copy of the game, you could play against them. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think they missed the ball by not um, coming out with Super Dodgeball for the Wii. I mean, that just... The ball? Yeah. Yeah, drop the ball. Yeah, there you go. The dodge. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, a lot of what is out here in 89 is very nostalgic to me. Um, I agree, there's still a ton of junk in here. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, it was... Yeah, it's, it's all still fun, and you can you can hand me one of the shittiest games, and I'm still gonna have a good time with it because I don't feel like the, I think that a lot of the crap, and maybe this is just me being apologetic, but like a lot of the crap here wasn't quite to the point of we're just trying to pump out profit. It was. Have you ever played Taboo: The Sixth Sense? Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, but like, I I feel like by by the end of the NES, we definitely got to that. This is just a cash grab. We just want to exploit and you know remake sequel after sequel until we've you know beat a dead horse. Whereas I think that a lot of this, like as I'm looking through some of these companies that are making these, like they're this is some of you know, for some of these games, this is their first go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, there's a lot of companies that are still trying to figure it out at this point, and I think. Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing like companies like Milton Bradley get in on this, um, yeah. the LJN, um, you know. So there's there's and like we've talked about on previous episodes, you know, the first couple of Capcom games weren't really. I mean, they were outsourced; they weren't really programmed that well. So it's not surprising that you know somebody would just want to pump out a game real quick. I mean, obviously, this is when you start seeing like Game Tech get in with Hollywood Squares and Wheel of Fortune games and stuff like mm-hmm. that, which are decent, you know, but. Uh, yeah, and your your Jaleco games are all over the place by this point too. Yeah. Um but yeah, but you know, our big names, you know, your Capcoms, your your Tecmos, like they're just knocking them out of the park left and right. Like right. they so the, the the solid titles are definitely in there. But well and this is interesting too, because this is also the first year like we've seen with um the Tengen games here. Um this is the first year that you start seeing the unlicensed cartridges come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of interesting. So um, Tengen had, uh, they were able to, if I remember right, they, they reverse engineered the NES um, because they didn't want to, I don't think they want, they didn't want to pay the fee to Nintendo to manufacture the cartridges. So they, um, if I remember right, they reverse engineered the system to gain access to the lockout chip. And then they were able to basically produce their own cartridges to bypass the lockout chip. 
And that's why you had those, you know, the off color, the flat cartridges that they used with the different designs, stuff like that. And then most famously, um, you know, their version of Tetris came out this year, which better version, in my opinion, because it had the two player versus mode. And then if you read up on any of the history of it, you start to see when the uh, the Tetris lawsuits came out, then Tengen Tetris was pulled off the shelves. And for a long time, uh, that was sort of, to me, like, that was sort of my my Holy Grail game. It was like, oh, I really want the Tengen Tetris. And uh, it was just, it disappeared. It was so hard to find. And then like the late 90s, early 2000s, I think, I finally, I tracked down a copy locally because uh, it was much cheaper than getting it online. So um, that's one of the ones I remember being sort of like one of the first big sort of controversies, like, oh man, like they're not going to sell this version of Tetris anymore. So. Yeah, and for me, like I didn't even realize that that's why Tengen games mm-hmm. were different. Um, yeah, I was still, you know, very naive at that point and didn't even it didn't even occur to me. Um, and I, I yeah, it didn't, I mean, it didn't occur to me at first, but then like reading up on it years later, that's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I just I just always thought it was just you know they were just being different. But, right. Uh, yeah, and that's what I thought too. It's like oh, you know, like we said in the past couple episodes, like Konami had everything was always the gray boxes, and then mm-hmm. Capcom had the purple boxes later early on it had that weird grid thing in the background so yeah it's like okay tengen just wants to be a different shaped cartridge because then Mm -hmm. maybe it's so that when you see those cartridges on the shelf they're what your eyes drawn to i don't know Um, i don't know but uh yeah i mean i like some of their stuff some of their stuff wasn't too bad like i love rolling thunder that's one of my favorites still um i got that for christmas and uh i still love that game but uh yeah, some of their other one, their other efforts, like I was saying earlier, um, like Alien Syndrome, Shinobi, and some of those, they're just not very good. Um, but I don't know. Tetris is probably their best one. Yeah, I mean, Gauntlet, can't argue Gauntlet. Yeah, and that one's weird, too, because, like, that was one of the first ones that um, had a licensed version. There was a there was a gray cart Gauntlet for years, and then that one disappeared, and I think there was a... Um, was there a... Uh, Tengen version of that? I'm trying to think. Maybe there uh, wasn't. I did not know of a gray cart gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah, there is there is a gray gauntlet out there. It's it's not super expensive, but it's kind of uncommon. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got one over there on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. look at this up now. Because yeah, yeah, the Tengen one's the only one I've ever seen. And mm. every time I see the um oh no shit, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yep. I've never seen that in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of bizarre. You start getting some weird oddities here and there. So, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. But I did think of um, two other things real quick that I wanted to mention. Um, one, of, Two other reasons why I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the NES lineup in 89 and why it kind of bleeds through with the earlier years is there were two systems that were coming out that year that I was really excited for. And one was the Game Boy, um, obviously. Uh, really wanted one of those with Tetris, of course. And then I was a um, getting really hyped up for the Atari Lynx uh, after reading like magazines and stuff like that for a long time. I got one of those for Christmas, and it was funny because um, so I got an Atari Lynx and it came packed with California games, and was playing it on Christmas morning. I had it plugged into like an AC adapter because you know it ran on six AA batteries for like an hour, if that you know. But I'm sitting there playing it, and all of a sudden, like I just hear like a pop, and like the screen went out. I was like, oh man, I think uh, I think this just broke. So like we, I just I still remember like we had to go to 
children's palace the next day and like exchange the links because it broke. So I don't know, but it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I was, I was a stupid kid during the console wars. And so I was all bragging, like, Ooh, I got the first 16 bit system and it was, you know, the Atari links, but, um, you know, not quite as good as the super NES or the Genesis, but, uh, I don't know. I liked its library. I thought it had some good games later on, but, um, because I was looking forward to those systems, I wasn't quite as focused on the NES at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah the Lynx is one that I really have no experience with at all. It's kind of it's an interesting system, and now it's much easier, um, you know, to find an emulator and and play some of the games. But um, it was doing some cool stuff for you know being a handheld. It had a lot of um, it was, a lot of the graphics were like pixel graphics, but it could do a lot of like zooming in, zooming out, stuff like that. So uh, kind of a precursor to mode seven a little bit. Hmm, cool. But uh, yeah, it's worth looking into if you've never checked it out. There's some really cool games on there. Uh, all right. So we've we've run for about a half an hour here talking about uh, just the year as a whole. But kind of what we're really here for is to spotlight some underappreciated games. So I say we uh, j- jump into the main meat of the conversation here and... Uh, you want to go first or you want me to take this? Uh, why don't you go first this time? Okay. So my pick for underappreciated game 1989 is one that, uh, again, I picked up as a random rental. Um, it, it It's a game I was aware of back in 89, 90, because I remember a commercial for it. But I don't think it was until probably maybe mid-90s that I actually rented it and played it for the first time. Um, but... My my pick here is Battle of Olympus, which, if I remember the actual release of this, I think it was very late. Yeah, it was like December of 89 is kind of where they roughly put it. Um, released by Broderbund in the U.S. and uh, developed, I believe, by Infinity, hmm. uh, or published by Infinity, I should say. Um, so yeah, not really terribly well-known names, Um Broader Bund is one that we had heard later, but if I remember right, I know from like PC development though. I mean, uh, Prince of Persia was sort of their their big game uh, that I remember. Yeah, and and I think that this is close to when they kind of broke into the NES, yeah. and they had three big games this year. Um, they did Legacy of the Wizard, mm-hmm. um, this, and the Guardian Legend. Yeah, um, yeah, which are that's a that's an awesome game. We'll get to that hopefully in a future episode because I really want to cover that one. Yeah, and that's the commercial that I remember. There was a commercial mm-hmm. specifically for the Guardian Legend and Battle of Olympus. They, they yeah. talked about both in this one TV commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually the reason that there was a rumor going around my grade school that Guardian Legend was actually Zelda 3 and Battle of Olympus was Zelda 4. Right. Because that commercial says... You've played Zelda. You've played Adventure mm-hmm. of Link. Now play right. Guardian Legend and Battle of Olympus. And to, to those of us who had never played either game, it's like, oh, okay, like cool. Mm-hmm. Zelda three and four are coming out. Yeah, um, it'd be, it's it's the same as going from Zelda one to Zelda two, where it's like, yeah, it's totally different. But back then, you're like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. Right. You know? And the the weird and kind of you know pseudo ironic thing about it is that. If you play the Battle of Olympus, it is remarkably similar to Adventure of Link. Mm-hmm. So I could see where the you know that rumor might have had some weight. Yeah. Um, so looking at the uh, Wikipedia for it, it says that uh, 
um, that that was one of the main inspirations was Zelda too. It's gotta be, you yeah. know, and I it also says that the, um, it was the first game by infinity and, uh, the dev team was only three people. Huh, so that's interesting. only three people like coded and developed this entire game. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, I wanted to do a little bit more research for it just to see like if they stole the engine for adventure of link or something, because no, I, I, I mean, I think it was more than likely in, from what I've read in like with like the untold history of Japanese games and stuff like that. You didn't really have like engines at the time or middleware. So a lot of the stuff was probably programmed just in, you know, either assembly or uh, whatever language they were using. So it was probably built from the ground up just based on Zelda two. Yeah. So, you know, I'll kind of get into the meat of the game, but you know, real quick, the one sentence summary, if you've never played this game at all, is to me it feels like if you took Adventure of Link and Simon's Quest and mushed them together in a Greek setting, but then made like a ROM hack of it because yeah. it's it's got that very indie, not quite well like beta tested feel to it. Mm-hmm. That, that's not to say it's glitchy or you know problematic or buggy. It's just it doesn't feel as solid as some of those other games like. Um, and because the engine and the or, you know mechanics feel so similar to Adventure of Link, um, you know that that's why it's it, it just makes me feel like yeah, it's like a ROM hack, you know, to use mm-hmm. modern terms. Um, kinda, it, that's kind of neat though, too. I mean, you know, I I can appreciate something like that now, where you know it's like yeah, I like Zelda two and I like playing that, but it's like this feels just a little off, but it's still really enjoyable. Right. So the the main story, which I think it's funny that in the instruction book, it actually gives the characters a name because one of the fun things about this is you can name your character whatever you want. You mm-hmm. can also name the girl that you're saving whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it changes it, you know, the script in the game. So, you know, mine was the Greek hero, Bill, for some reason. And <laughs> even though in the actual instruction book, it's, you know, Orpheus and Helena. Um, mm-hmm. But... it's your it's a pretty typical story um orpheus and helena were madly in love uh blah 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 helena got kidnapped and is now in hades he wants to make her his wife and then um aphrodite comes to orpheus and says don't worry like she's not dead you can save her but you know it's gonna be a difficult journey to get there but the gods are here to help you and so good luck and Mm -hmm go go save the girl from hell basically um me bill (laughs) yes exactly um oh bill we've been expecting you (laughs) right yeah um i don't go by the name orpheus anymore (laughs) i'm retired (laughs) so um the the reason that i say it feels so much like adventure of link is because the the mechanics are similar like you're a your sprite is kind of two units high um you've got a shield and a, and a sword you can jump duck just like link can mm-hmm. um except same thing bill. Except, yeah bill versus link right. um <laughs> same thing like the shield will block whether you're ducking it'll block low if you're standing up it'll block high mm-hmm. um it, it feels very similar in that regard there's even a couple enemies that behave very similar to some adventure of link enemies like there's some characters once you get late late in the game that are very much like iron knuckles mm-hmm. um but then but it, they it, call them bill knuckles <laughs> yeah those are the bill knuckles yeah 
Um, I'm Bill Knuckles. Well, oh, no, this is this is the Bronze Age, so they're Bronze Knuckles instead of oh, Bronze Knuckles. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and the reason that it's kind of like Simon's Quest is because it's got that um, almost like a Metroidvania kind of feel. Um, you start out with very minimal equipment, and as you kind of progress, there, there's a world map, you know, or a Greek map that shows up that's got you know a half a dozen to a dozen different locations that you're going to go to. Um, and to get from one to the next, it's not, you know, click on the next place you want to go. It's kind of like if you exit, a, you know, if, if, if you're in Athens, for example, and you exit on the far right, well, maybe that'll take you to Attica. Um, if you take this cave, that could lead you to Crete, you know, or, or various things like that. So it's, it's kind of a, a labyrinth mapping you know, of how all of these locations are connected. And it's Metroidvania in the sense that a lot of them are locked. Like you can't get to, you know, Crete right away. You can't go everywhere. You've got to get past a certain boss, which maybe that boss is asleep. And so you have to get this item that'll wake that boss up so you can kill him so that then you can get to the cave to go to this next area. Um, other ones are just like you, you start getting power-ups and special items that increase your mobility, that allow you to access different areas um, or even just survive. Like, you know, if you get more health, you get better defense, you get better weapons, that sort of thing. Um, so it, it, by the time you're ready to kind of complete the game, you've essentially really powered up and going back and backtrack into earlier stages is a lot of fun because you, you're so, you're so much more mobile, you're so much more powerful um, and you've got abilities that you didn't have before. Um, so, so that's kind of a fun aspect of it. Uh, the The whole thing is, you know, set in ancient Greece, so it's got that whole theme. Um, there's about a half a dozen of the gods that are in here, all of whom will help you and give you their, you know, blessing or a special item. Uh, Zeus is in here. Athena, Ares, Poseidon, Apollo. Um, they they all help you and give you something. Um, Artemis, Hermes, also. And so it's it, it's really kind of cool if you're kind of one of those you know, nerds like I was that really thought like Greek mythology was really neat when you were a kid, um, just to see kind of how all that's in there. The bosses are all built around that. You know, you got to fight Cerberus and Centaurs, Minotaurs and Hydras and um, all of that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's just, it's just a satisfying game that the controls are going to feel very familiar. You know, if, if you've played Adventure of Link and assuming you don't hate Adventure of Link, um, they're not perfect. They, they're they're kind of slippery. Like you getting the grip on placement, you know, landing jumps is a little bit tricky. Um, so it's 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 not the best, but it does get better. There there's an item that you get. Uh, I think it's Hermes gives you his sandals. Um, and use sandals. He wasn't an Olympiad, so you know you don't have the athlete's foot problem. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um. But. You know the, the foot problem. <laughs> Zeus, Zeus will clear it up. Right, right. Um, but you know, once you get the sandals, you can jump like twice as high. And in certain areas where there's a an actual ceiling, like in forests, this works. Like when you do the the full jump and like press up while you're jumping, you actually flip upside down and you'll walk on the ceiling. Oh. Um, and then you can kind of jump back and there, there are certain spots you have to do that to get through hmm. um, to like get over gaps and pits. 
but also like there's certain enemies that kind of crawl along the ceiling, certain ones that are on the ground. So sometimes it's a going back and forth to avoid obstacles. Um, so, you know, th that's a fun mechanic. And then there's just different weapons that you get that like one of the, like the second weapon you get, once you power it up, you can shoot fire from it. There's a sword later that can shoot uh, lightning bolts out of it. There's just all sorts of really cool power-ups that, you know, make the game so much more fun. You can summon and ride Pegasus. You can summon and ride dolphins. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's just really neat. And it, it's way more detailed than it kind of appears at the surface. Um, when I used to play this as a kid, I was kind of disappointed just because it felt so easy. And what I kind of learned later on is that the difficulty curve is really steep in the game. Hmm. Um, not necessarily in like a frustrating challenge way, but like in the very first town you start in, there's lots of people who tell you, you know, various hints and give you guidance and they're incredibly helpful. And like, they'll flat out tell you exactly what you need to know. Like, Oh, they say that this item is hidden on such and such Island. And guess what? They're not lying to you. It is. Hmm. Or, they say, hey, don't even bother going to such and such forest until you have fire and the ability to jump high. Well, okay, so if you go to the forest and you don't have those two things yet, yeah, you're going to die. Um, and so it really kind of spells everything out. And when you pause it, you see your inventory screen. And what I noticed playing it is like, that thing was two-thirds full very, very quickly into the game. Hmm. And I was like disappointed by it. It's like, well, there's not much to this. And one I never realized because I never got that far in it as a kid was that that really starts to slow down and taper off. And by the time you keep going, those really helpful rumors start to disappear hmm. and the inventory screen starts filling up a lot more slowly. Um, and it also becomes really tricky to get around the world because some of these later um, regions become very big there are lots of paths and hidden exits, um, things that it's it's very easy to get turned around. There are lots of one-way caves. So like you go into a cave and pop out and now you're back at the entrance, but you can't go back the other way. Mm. Um, there's even some caves that you can go into and all of a sudden you show up back, you know, three towns ago, um, one-way doors. So wow. it's 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 tricky and the enemies get really hard by the end. So it's, it's kind of a, 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 an exercise to really kind of get through it and find your way and keep good maps and remember where you went and which doors you just absolutely should not go to. Um, and, and there's just enough hidden stuff to keep you, keep you on your toes and to keep you from getting bored. Um, and, you know, the total length, I would say after playing through this, I noticed first time if, if this were your first time playing through and you weren't you know using too many hints or nintendo power articles or whatever you're probably looking at a 15 maybe 10 to 15 hour game that's actually quite a bit for uh, an nes game of this age right I mean, that's not like a final fantasy or a dragon warrior i'm impressed i mean i well of course i feel like zelda 2 is probably like that too but this definitely seems like there's a lot of game here for um, much more than I sort of thought. Actually, 
going into this, I I didn't really I never played this as a kid. I like I I knew of the box art a little bit, but um, I had no idea that it was the type of game that it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one that I didn't get much time to really play it the last couple of weeks, but I, I dabbled in it a little bit. And this is definitely one that I'm really curious now and want to come back to. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, it's it's the kind of game that you're going to die a lot. Um, and luckily, the consequence isn't too bad. Uh, the, there's two things that you kind of collect that enemies drop. One is little pieces of health, basically. Um, and the other is... They, they look like little red spheres, but they're actually supposed to be olives. And hmm. you don't realize what those are until later in the game, but that's actually your money. Um, and I believe there's only three times in the game you have to buy anything. And what's so every time you die, you restart at the beginning of that area. You, you keep all of the items that you had collected, but it cuts your olives in half. Well, huh. you don't really think anything of it until you get to the first spot where it's like, oh, I'll sell you this really awesome sword for 80 olives. And you're just like, oh, shit. And so you spend the next 20 minutes farming olives. Um, and that, that happens two or three times where there's this really expensive thing you have to buy, and probably you are broke when you find them because you kept I, dying. <laughs> I just can't imagine like a, a system of, uh, of commerce that's set up on you know the the passing back and forth of olives for currency. I, I'm, I mean, they'd go bad, wouldn't they? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, every store you'd walk into it would smell like like bad olives. It smells like money. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, somebody breaks in, give me all your olives! You know, just, you <laughs> think know. A, think the green ones are worth more than the blacks? Well, I don't know. I mean, which one is rarer? I don't know. Ka- Kalamata, are those, like, you know, the really fancy, like, those are like 20s. That's, that's like the top 1%, like, you know, like you're wearing like a top hat made of olives. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. That's just kind of weird. But I don't I like, know. I like mine pre-sliced in a can. Right? I'm just thinking for some reason, I don't know, it's just kind of like picturing like some guy just coming in and just chopping all your olives in half and then just walking out of the room. <laughs> he just made change. Right. Yeah. Can you break a 20 olive? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's really all I want to say. I was actually online today and noticed that uh, one of our listeners noticed that I was playing this and said he had just bought it recently. Mm. So I, I promised him I'd keep it spoiler free, uh, yeah. and and I will. But the one thing I I have to say, and it's not spoilery, but I think uh, the end boss fight of this game is just awesome. Mm. Um, so. I won't spoil it on Mike Wes. If you want to know afterward, I'll kind of tell you about it. But it's 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 one of the coolest wrap ups to a game ever. Wait, so I look forward to that when I get to that point. So I'm, I'm glad that you played through this to the end, though, because uh, this is this is going to be fun, though, because when I get around to start playing this, this will be cool because you'll already kind of be the expert on it. Then, so having played through it all the way. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's there's a lot here, so don't expect me to remember everything. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's enough that I can give you a, maybe a hint here and there. Um, mm. And and from what I've noticed too, there's no way to like get yourself screwed. Um, I almost did because I made it all the way to Hades and realized that there's an essential item that I never got oh. and had to backtrack through a lot of game to go back and get it but it's still available it just requires okay you know going through platforming stages in reverse which you know are not meant to go that way is kind of tricky (laughs) 
Yeah, I can see that. But you know, there, there's enough little secrets and passages and whatever that you can you can still get around. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I I dig it. So not the greatest game ever. Uh, I think right now it's going for maybe about 15 bucks for a loose cart. Um, it, it might be worth that. Uh, it's too bad that it's not on virtual console or somewhere else where you can kind of pick it up and try it. Uh, if you're over in Europe, I think it got a Game Boy port that we never saw. But, I was uh, about that. It's, it doesn't seem like it was uh, developed by the original uh, developers at all. It mm-hmm. seems like um, just looking at it, um, there was a 93 Game Boy port published by Imagineer for Europe, but um, Infinity actually had no involvement in that version, and it was uh, ported by Radical Entertainment. So that yeah, would never... be kind of interesting, though. To I mean, that's always kind of fun to uh, discover like a, a different version of a game that you're already familiar with. Yeah, and since I've never played it, I don't have any idea whether it holds up or not. But uh, yeah. it'd be interesting. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, this card is kind of rare. I think I've seen it show up in used game stores here in town maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. But um, it's out there, and I, I wouldn't spend a ton. But if you have some store credit built up, it'd be worth picking up. And yeah, I, I think it's it's a good time. Cool. Very cool. All right, what do you got, Wes? Well, mine's a little bit simpler uh, game, but uh, nonetheless, I I found it pretty fun. Um, I like. Uh, shooting games and shoot them up, stuff like that. So um, my pick for 89's underappreciated game is Air Fortress by HAL Entertainment or HAL Laboratory. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I played it back in the day um, on a rental and it's um, kind of your typical side-scrolling shooter. Um, but after each um, scrolling shooter stage, you go into this uh this amazing and uh you kind of get off of your your ship get out of your ship or whatever and you uh float around and you have to go through this maze and uh knock out the reactor and then you have to like fly out before the timer counts down get back to your ship and uh move on and it's just where when you're flying the jet you look like you're riding around on one of those little like kids scooter buggies yeah that's that's the funny thing it's like yeah um the uh the box art, it's like, it shows like this, the ship, you know, it's like, it's like, Oh, it looks cool. You know? But, uh, yeah, for some reason, the, the sprite itself always cracks me up because it looks like you're just kind of like straddled onto this like space shuttle almost like, uh, like you're riding it. Like it's a, a motorcycle or something. It uh, reminds me of, if, did you ever watch Futurama? Yeah. Oh yeah. When Fry had to like go defeat the brain planet and he had to like write the little, like, like I forget what they called it, the puffy scooter or something. The... Right, right. <laughs> I almost wonder if that's like a like a super obscure joke about this game, but Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But there's I don't there's something just fun about this game. Um, I think the music is really good, and I in particular I think this game is programmed really well for an NES uh, shoot 'em up because the graphics are really really good. They're colorful, and the scrolling is really smooth. Um, compared to some of the other shooters, um, especially in uh, this year, where we got stuff like, um, what was it, Twin Cobra, I think was one of them, and uh, what was the other one that I was thinking of? That uh, Twin Eagle was a, a, twi- a couple twin of these Eagle was this year. Yeah, yeah um, a couple of those were 
uh, Thundercade, I think is the one I'm thinking of, where they were like really, really choppy and kind of like 1942, like they're almost unplayable, you know. Um, I felt like Air Fortress was really like on a technical level, I think it, it was really smooth. But the yeah. other thing. Now that I'm looking at pictures of this, I do remember renting this once as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I thought it was really fun. And the the thing that really stands out or stood out to me is the backgrounds were so pretty. Yeah, it's yeah, they look really cool. Like there's the just color is really sharp, and mm-hmm. there's a bit of depth to them. Like as far as like different gradients of blue and and different colors, kind of giving it just this imaginative look. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was cool about this game is uh, when you're in the second stage um, of each level when you're uh, going through the fortress, whenever you, um, when you shoot, it actually kind of pushes your character back a little bit. Like it's almost like it's taking zero gravity into effect and the, the effect of, you know, the firing the gun propelling you backwards a little bit. And I thought that was kind of a cool little touch mm-hmm. because uh, you wouldn't normally see that in an action NES game at this time, I guess. So yeah, definitely. It, it's something to think about when there's, uh, bullets coming at you and stuff like that, you kind of have to think of your positioning in that, okay, if I shoot, I'm going to be pushed back just a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's fun. It it scratches the, the Star Wars itch a little bit because obviously I feel like this was kind of inspired by that, you know, just going in and destroying the core and then flying out before it blows up and whatever. Um, but it's just a, I think it's just a solid, fun shoot 'em up um, It gets progressively tougher. Uh, there's eight levels. And they get more and more complex the farther that you go into it. So yeah, I'm sure I never got past like you know the third or fourth maybe playing it. Yeah, yeah it's fun. It's one that um, I've gone back to in recent years and just kind of picked it up here and there, and uh, you know kept passwords around for it. I'll be like, oh, I want to fire this up and uh, you know play it for a little bit. So just kind of work on it here and there. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's got a just a kind of a cool design to it. I mean, um, the fortresses themselves, like on the box art and the um, intro scenes, they just have that cool, like, sort of retro sci fi style to them, almost like this uh, weird, like, Jetsons in space sort of. I was going to say, it should be an album cover for Boston or Journey. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe that's another reason I kind of like it. It's like got that 80s sort of rock vibe to it. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just that's that cool, like, retro sci fi type stuff that I really dig, where it's like, you know, retro futurism, I guess, or something like that. But right, yeah, this it's a fun game. Um, it's super cheap. I mean, you can usually find copies of this for like under five bucks. Um, so it's not one that you know you're not going to spend a ton of money on. But uh, if you like these style of games, uh, if you like a shoot 'em up mixed with sort of a maze like platformer kind of, um, I'd say give this a try. I like Air Fortress. I think it's fun. That's cool. Yeah, I like the idea of the simple kind of concepts. You know, Battle of Olympus is a great you know game for something you're going to spend lots of hours on. You know, get some depth, but then every now and then you just kind of want that mindless brain candy. And I think Air Fortress is a, from what I remember, especially it's a it's a good pick for that. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I I enjoy a lot of shoot 'em ups, and um, I like kind of those kind of games to test my hand eye coordination, reflexes, stuff like that, and. Um, Air Fortress is not terribly difficult. It does ramp up, you know, pretty highly in the later stages, but uh, it's fun to come back to every now and then. So cool. All righty. Well, I think um, all in all, that was a pretty good discussion of '89. We 
hit the highlights and some some low points and be interesting to kind of see where it goes from here because it, at this point like i said we're definitely into the thick of what the nes had there's definitely some big games still coming and i think most of them are right around the corner so mm-hmm. next yeah, episode forward to the next few years um that we cover you know on the on this topic because uh, especially going into the early 90s i feel like there's going to be a lot of hidden gems that we're going to be talking about because you know, a lot of us weren't really focused on the NES at the time. So coming back and re-examining it and finding games that uh, that are really, really cool, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about those. Yeah, and I mean, th- this was my, you know, bread and butter growing up. And you know, I, I got the Game Boy in, I think, Christmas of 90, and Super Nintendo I didn't get until Christmas of 92. Mm. Um, but And even then... You know, I loved my Super NES and I loved my Game Boy, but I was out renting NES games almost every weekend if I could. So as I look through this list, I haven't spent tons of time with most of these games, but there aren't too many that I haven't played at least once Mm -hmm. at some point down the road. So, yeah, and I and yeah, I've I've kind of looked through the list of the upcoming years, too. And there's I've got some favorites in there. So hopefully we can spotlight some new ones for people. All right, so talking about 1990, which is going to be our next episode, we've got uh, another Graveyard Duck Challenge coming up. We do, and uh, what is that challenge this time? This one's going to be a little bit of a weird one. We are getting to the point where there's lots of games you know, for each of these years. There were 97 titles on our 1989 list, and 1990 got even bigger. So trying to come up with something that's a little bit different and not just our standard shoot-em-ups every time or, you know, kind of traditional picks like we've always done. I'm going to go with one that was another kind of random rental for me back in the day that I thought was bizarre and obscure, but also a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to do a score attack on Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Which is going to be really weird because I've never played it. Yeah, it's been a long time for me. All I remember is it's an isometric. uh, You're playing a snake that kind of is running around trying to eat things and as you do you just get bigger and bigger and longer uh but you're trying to avoid like giant feet that are falling from the sky and there's there's bombs and i don't remember if those are good to eat or bad to eat but they're there yeah this is one of those games that uh obviously the developers were probably doing a lot of lsd at the time and uh maybe that'll help if uh you know (laughs) if, if that's what you're into but uh, yeah, it's it's an odd game, but it was a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of looking forward to playing it because I've only ever really just kind of passed by it. It's like, oh, this looks a lot like RC Program and uh, uh, Cobra Triangle. Like it's got the same isometric view and same developer and stuff like that. But I've never really like sat down and played it. So Cobra uh, Triangle with actual cobras. Yeah, and triangles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing this one. This will be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. So look forward to that uh, starting as soon as this episode posts. You got a week, post your score. Um, and uh, yeah, keep it casual and keep it fun. Uh-huh. So, all right. Well, we've uh, obviously got some more to talk about in the next couple coming weeks, but there's so many good games here. I know that our listeners have some favorites that we didn't talk about, and I'm sure they're just dying to. So, Wes, if they wanted to get a hold of us and tell us about their favorite 1989 game, how do they do that? 
Well, there's a few ways you can do that. Obviously, um, you could go to our Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, we've got a Graveyard Duck podcast group there. Um, we're on Twitter at Duck Graveyard. Um, we're on Instagram. You can follow us on there. Um, we've got a Discord that um, in recent weeks we haven't paid as much attention to, but it still has some good discussions going on there. So um, need to get better at that. It's just been a busy couple of weeks and uh, being an adult and having actual responsibilities kind of kind of sucks sometimes. But uh, yeah, um, it's just it's fun. That's one of the reasons that I like doing the show is uh, you know I like talking to other people and kind of finding out their memories and and what games that they enjoyed and just talking about you know retro gaming in general and uh yeah so we're we're out there on most of the usual channels so um check us out and if you if you like the show um you know leave us a review on itunes or um your whatever your favorite podcast app would be or anything and just you know that kind of helps us get noticed a little bit more and uh you know, we just we like doing the show. We like talking about games. So, um, you know, if you can give us a good recommendation, we'd appreciate it. Definitely helps us get up there in the rankings, so other people can find us too. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, I think that about wraps this one up. Um, looking forward to our next challenge, and looking forward to about talking about some 1990. Maybe have to bust out my jean jacket and start watching some reruns of Growing Pains and 90210. I don't know, but uh, I thought you just called that Wednesday night. <laughs> don't judge me bust out the jean jacket aka get it out of the laundry basket <laughs> hey at least i wash it now well yeah thank god all right so until we come back i'm scott and i'm west and just remember never attempt to dismantle or open the game pack i, I guess that's good advice game over <laughs>